I find myself saying this a lot, but I want to do something slightly different this morning. Um, <clears throat> once we've all settled and found our seats. So over the past week, we've had a lot of information. We did This Is Church on Wednesday, spoke about accountability. What, what was quite interesting is in in quite a few of the previous This Is Church videos and teachings, we had a lot of questions and even people wrestling with some concepts, but accountability, there were very few questions and very little wrestling. And as elders, we expected that to be like one of the big ones, you know? Why do I have to be accountable? Why do I have to live my life in submission? And we sort of realized, because we've been discussing discipleship for the past six, seven months, that actually accountability wasn't a, a big red flag or a sensitivity for us because so many of us have already been walking in it. And I promise you, we, we even before the, before the uh, video, we were saying, okay, guys, there's going to be lots of pastoring after this. We're going to need a lot of work. But we came out quite surprised as to, wow, everyone's like, yeah, it makes sense. Cool, let's do it. And I think that's because we've already started that journey. And so on Wednesday, we chatted about that. And then last night, uh, who was at the gathering? Just put your hand up quick. I'm not, I'm not trying to shame those that weren't. but It was such an amazing time together. There was such a great variety of response that I thought to myself, Andrew spoke for an hour and a half last night. And he spoke about the context of where we are in, 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 in history, where we are biblically, but also, more importantly, where we are in our own hearts. Because God actually isn't as interested in what is happening around us, but more what is happening within us. And so many of us were impacted in different ways. Some of us came away really fearful of God, these times we're in, and persecution, and all of these crazy things. What about my kids, and some of the horror stories, what's currently taking place in the Middle East? Some of us came away stirred up and going, God, I want more Jesus. I want to pour my life out more. I want to be more radical, more wild. Some of us came, come out, came out saying, you know, God, I want you to return now. And some of us like, give me a week to get my life in order. And so I actually wanted to this morning is actually just meet you where you are at. I know where I am at. I know where Ian is at. I know where some of us are at. But, and if even that, it varies. So I've asked a couple of men and women this morning just to share how they processed last night and where they are at and what happened in their hearts. And I'm going to ask my wife first to come and share with us how last night impacted you. While I give her, um, I, I warned everyone else, I didn't warn her. <laughs> I told everyone else, you're going to be sharing, you're going to be sharing. I didn't because I wanted her to be real and raw. Because she wept for about half an hour on the drive home. And she was broken. And I didn't want her to polish that up and prepare it like a sermon. I wanted her to speak from her heart what the Holy Spirit did in her last night. 
Um, so I um, had a, a, an array of emotions. Um, my two older daughters were in the um, service with me, so I think um, a lot of the time I was mindful of how they were filtering the information that we heard. Some of it was quite brutal. So um, I was having to process them afterwards. But I felt it was such a, it was such a funny thing. Like uh, At the gathering, it's chaotic, and there are lots of people, and you're having millions of conversations with people. But afterwards, I just felt this desire this desperation to just get away, get away, get into the car, so I could just have a moment to, to process, because it was a lot, a lot. Um, I think uh, th th there were two overarching things that I experienced. The first one was fear, um, and I suppose fear, especially for my kids. Um, when I was young, I was always so interested in um, end, time, uh, in, in, end time stories and end time prophecies, and it was very interesting to me. And the stories didn't really freak me out, but I feel as I've become a mother now with children, realizing that this could actually be imminent, um, I became really, really fearful last night in the, in the meeting. And... Um, as we, as we left, I was walking with my oldest to the car, and I was just trying to have a quick conversation because she was going off at a, to, a, to a sleepover, and I was trying to have a quick conversation with her before. And Jeanette actually came to us, and just on the fly, we were walking across the road with the bags, and Jeanette said to me, to, 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 to actually to Noah, that God is with us every day. He gives us our portion every day. And so no matter what it looks like, for all of us, even if there are any of us who are battling with fear of what that's going to look like one day, if we can trust God that he's with us now, today, and he's with us tomorrow, he will give us exactly what we need for that time. And so it was actually a simple thing, but it was such an encouragement to me. I was like, yes, of course, I trust God with everything. Why is this end time thing this big thing for me? If I can trust him with everything every day, then surely we can trust him with whatever we're going to need when that time comes. And then the second thing I felt is, I think for the first time, I felt such, uh, I felt God's heart, really, in the way Andrew had, had explained to us how, and we know the stories, but how it became so real to me last night, that, um, yeah, these are God's chosen people, and, and, and just, I, I, felt, I felt God's heart in, I don't know if we can disappoint God, I don't know, but I just, I felt it last night, I felt like, God, you have, you have done this thing of choosing your people, and we've rejected you, and I just, I think for the first time last night, I just, I felt God's heart, and, and for me, it became personal, because I was like, Lord, I, I don't want to disappoint you, I want my life to count for something, I don't want to do what the Israelites have done, I don't want to reject you, I want my life to count for you, and so, and, and, and I know I don't want to go into duty and all the do's, and you must do, but... Just the way that Andrew had painted that beautiful picture of God's heart for his children. And, um, oh, Lord, I, I want my life to count for you. I don't ever want to reject you. I don't want to become familiar with you. I don't want to forget you in my everyday. I want my everyday to count for you. Before you go, before you go, before you go. What were you fearful of? I suppose the unknown and, um, yeah, fearful of what it's going to look like. Are we going to be okay? I don't know if we are. <laughs> we are, we are. But in the moment, I, I think I was just afraid of what that's going to look like. It just seems terrible. So, but then again, I know it won't be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask Alison and uh, Adam. 
come share a little bit about what you experienced. Um, <clears throat> I don't have much actually to add to what Elaine said. I think um, for me it was also a, f a fear for my children and for their children and then their children. And their <laughs> I was like, it never ends, Lord. <laughs> um, it's never a good time for anyone to go through anything like that. But um, that was like my gut reaction. It's not what I know about God and his grace. And on the way home, I was chatting to Adam um, about it. And, and I think even what we've lived and experienced is how God gives you the grace for what you're dealing with in the moment. He gives you what you need when you're in it. Um, and all the what-ifs are, they are scary, but when you're in it, he's with you in that place. Yeah, it was, um, I was trying to talk Ellie off the cliff face a bit and myself. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. But... Um, yeah, I was, I was comforted by this, that he's won. Like, Jesus has won. The victory, it's not uncertain, it's not unsure, it's not a maybe. Like, he has won. The victory is his. He's not surprised. He's not, he doesn't know what, you know, he doesn't not know what's going to happen. He knows, and he's won. And his command to us in Hebrews, he says, run, fixing your eyes on Jesus, run the race set before you. And I was like, Jesus, you've set this thing before me. I don't, I don't know what happens between now and when I die. I really don't. But I know what happens when I do and where I go and who I'm with and whose victory it is. And so between now and then, I fix my eyes on Jesus and I run the race set before me. And it even says like Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And so he has set this example for us. And so... I don't know what happens, but I know he does. And I know that in the end, he wins. And we win. We win. Because we're with him. I think it's so important that we are honest and open and vulnerable. doesn't matter if you're up here with a microphone. You have your own challenges. You have your own fears. I drove home after the gathering Yesterday, and I was fired up. I'm like, let's do more for Jesus. Let's go. And my wife is weeping next to me, crying. And the challenge with the gathering, it's a wonderful thing. But when it's 5,000 people leaving in convoy, there were Josh Jenner's parked to my left, to my right. But, and they're looking over, and there's Elaine's makeup and running. And all they think is, Luke, what have you done? <laughs> Your fears, your doubts, your unbelief. That's, I want to say something to you. That's as much a part of your story and your testimony as anything else. Because our story of the gospel is I once was but now am. And it's important. It's important. I once was fearful. I once was anxious. I once was doubting. But now I am. And so I don't want you to sit here and go, I feel bad because I'm fearful. I feel anxious. No. I want you to sit here and go, God, I've got some doubt, some anxiety, some fear, and yet still I choose to follow you. Still I know that I'm not supposed to be the hero of the story. You are. You are the hero of the story. And all I've got to do is be close to you. 
I'm going to ask Ian and Kate just to come share what, what they felt. Kate's going to jump in first. Um, so Andrew was talking about the end of days when Jesus is going to return. And he said at one point last night, if Jesus does come back now, are you ready? And Zach, I did ask his permission to share this. He said very loudly to me, he's like, Mommy, I'm definitely not ready. <laughs> um, and it was such a good opportunity because I sat there and I was like, okay, God, he's not feeling ready. How can I ready him? And God said to me, how can I ready you? <laughs> um, is your heart always in a state of readiness to face Jesus with purity, to face Jesus and look like him, to face Jesus and he can say, come up to my mountain because you are pure and you look like me and you can be with me? What about when you got angry? What about that unforgiveness? What about that disappointment? What about, what about, what about? And it's not this laundry list of all the things I've done wrong. But I don't want to be perfect. I just want to honor the gift that Jesus gave me. And when I stand before him one day, I want to look like him. And I was just like, God, what is in my heart now? If you do come, what now actually would I be disappointed to stand in front of you with? And it was such a good opportunity. And then last night we sat with the kids and we processed so many things that God brought to the surface. And Ian spent hours chatting with them. And Elaine and Ali and I, we can't save our children from what's to come. But I can ready them to be a nation that stands before Jesus with broken chains above their heads, free and able to say, I love you and I look like you and I'm welcome in your presence. So that was that challenge for me. What are the things that are shackling me? I've spent three months shackled. I don't want my heart to be in the same state when I stand before Jesus. What is shackling me and why am I holding it? Let it go. Let it go. I might cry. I've already been crying. I'm crying because I'm grateful. That's what I left last night with. And, um, yeah, God's been asking me a question this week. And he's been saying to me, Ian, why are you a Christian? And uh, I wanted to ask you that question this morning. Why are you a Christian? And I asked Shane, my poor two older ones last night, they were exhausted and they were like holding onto their seats. And, I mean, I left, I left like Luke last night. I was like, let's find a stadium. Let's get thousands in there and let's preach the gospel. I got my kids in the kitchen. Why are you a Christian? And I was telling them last night, the reason I'm a Christian, this is what I felt last night, was because he loved me. So I want to love him. But then after last night, I woke up this morning, and the thing that struck me at the gathering last night was there's a hope. And the word that struck me this morning was hope. And I wanted to ask, who here, there's two people I want to ask, who here is under the age of 27? Put up your hand. <laughs> and then a second group of people, who here struggles to have hope at any age. 
And I was doing this random research this week about Generation Z. And those are people under the age of 27. And there's many titles that the world is giving that generation. But one of the titles is the generation of hopelessness. And we have the answer. And the answer is Jesus. Because Jesus is the hope. And, and this morning, so I, I got some notes here, but I'm not going to go through all of them. But I just wanted to read the definition. So I went and I, and I googled the dictionary definition of hope. And hope is a sense of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. And that's the gospel. Jesus is coming back. That's the gospel, is that there is an expectation and a desire that Jesus comes back for all of us. And none of us can be ready. We can be readier. We can never be fully ready. But we've got something that we have to share. The only thing that I don't want to stand before Jesus and say is if he, come, if he looks at me and he says, did you share me as much as I wanted you to? Do the people around you know what you have? A hope. And that's what I want to ask. And do we know that hope? And there was a picture that God gave me during worship. One of the, one of the descriptions the Bible talks about about hope, it's in Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 6. And it talks about Jesus being an anchor. And during, during, during worship... God asked the question, we all have the anchor because we all have Jesus as Christians. The question was, is the anchor in the boat or is the anchor in the water? Because if you're holding Jesus in your pocket, he's useless. But if you let him out, if you let him be free, if you let him be the anchor for your soul, then people will see it. And they'll be drawn to you and they'll be drawn to him. I'm going to ask Devon to come share what the Holy Spirit laid on his heart. Yeah, um, <clears throat> just coming out of, out of last night, I mean, it was such a mix of emotions, um, as we've just clearly seen now. And for me, I was challenged in just... What are we doing with that what God has given us? Um, for me, I was challenged because, you know, God's given me stuff and I need to be faithful with it. On the one hand, I need to be a good steward of my, of, of, of my finances and my stuff and my family. And, but on the other side, I'm challenged because are those things holding me back to that what God has for me? And the things that we get, we should be good stewards. And this is what God told me, but it should never get in the way of that, what he has for us. And the things of the world should never be an anchor for us to run for Jesus. Um, yeah, and Jesus even says it so beautifully. He says we're in the world, but we're not of it. So, um, yeah, man, I'm challenged. Um, 
I'm challenged to, to, to run for Jesus. I'm challenged to, to not let anything hold me back. Um, not the, the good things that the Lord has given me. Um, so yeah, maybe, uh, hopefully there's an encouragement for, for us as well, and each one sitting here, that's that what the Lord has given you. Don't let it be an anchor. Don't let it hold you back. Um, give it to Him and just run fully for what He has for you. As we were all discussing our various experiences from last night, I, uh, I spent most of the evening last night repenting. And I'll be honest with you, some of the things I didn't even know what I was, I was repenting for. I was just so desperate for my heart to be right with God that I would repent for something I don't even know if I'm guilty of. Because there is this weight and sense of, as we discussed this morning, a God seated on the throne of eternity, a God who holds the universe in his hands, a God who speaks existence into being, a God who looks at Job and says, who are you to question me? Who are you to challenge me? Were you there when I laid out the galaxies? Were you there when I molded and shaped Adam from mud? Were you there when I spoke life into being, when I dug out the oceans with my hands? And yet some of us sit here today. Oh God, I want this and I want that. And my heart, God. Can I be honest with you guys? There was a moment of repentance last night, and I wish I saw some of you down there, because I know your hearts. I sit with you for hours. I know your hearts. I know some of the things you've been wrestling with, and I'm like, why weren't you there when Andrew called? Maybe I should have been there too. Maybe... Maybe you're playing games with the creator of the universe. And you think it's cute, and you think it's funny, and you think it's okay because I'm quirky, and he's got a special place in his heart for me. If he cut off Israel, his son, by God, please don't fool yourself into thinking. There, won't, there might come a time when he cuts you off. And you might have been in a place for months and you're familiar with God. And you come here because it's the right thing to do and singing songs and all this, but you're playing with the creator of the universe. You're treading upon the blood of Jesus. You're standing before the being that spoke and created life. And you're going, I'm just not quite ready to surrender. I'm just not quite ready to lay my life down. My heart, it's not ready yet. I'm offended. I'm upset. I have unforgiveness. My hands, I like the things of this world. They're nice. I was so convicted last night. I said, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Andrew went so fast to say, if you're still hoping for memories and moments, you don't love Jesus. 
You can't go, Luke, you're being harsh. I didn't say that. I fully agree. Andrew said that. And some of us for years, oh, but this one hurt me. Oh, but this happened. Oh, I'm you're standing before the God of all creation, throwing a tantrum. He looks at Job and says, who are you? Job was a man without spot or without blemish. Job was a man that was basically almost perfect in God's eyes. And yet he says to Job, who are you to question me? And there's a fear of God in me. And I, even now as I speak to you, I, your heart's going to want to resist it and be offended. And you're going to, oh, but Luke's too harsh. Oh, but Luke's through this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What if he came back tomorrow? Where is your heart at now? Where is your life at now? What sin, what compromise, what lukewarmness? He says, I will spit you from my mouth because you're average. I'm not saying this. The Bible. I would be, it would be unfair of me not to say it to you. It would be foolish. I would have to stand before God one day and say, Jesus, here I am. I love my wife. I was a good father. And he said, why didn't you warn my people, Luke? Why didn't you warn those that I gave to your care? I didn't preach last night. Andrew did. So I'm not even standing on my own authority this morning. I'm saying, dude, did you hear what he said? It's the word of God. And as Devon was speaking about us holding on to nice houses and nice cars and, you know, I want things my way and I don't want to be a leader in the church because it's going to cost too much and I don't want to sacrifice. And You're going to stand before God one day and He's going to look at you and go, what did you do with your life? Oh, no, God, I had better plans than you. I don't know about you, but I left last night saying, God, I'm so broken, I don't know where to begin. I'm so filthy, I'm so hopeless, I'm so empty, I don't even know where, here I am. Just use whatever you can, God. Because the weight of who I am in the context of eternity dawned upon me, that I am like a grain of sand on the seashore, and yet still he picks me up and holds me as precious and tenderly in the, in, in the hands of a loving father. And I'm telling you, he loves you and adores you. And he wants to be in relationship with you, but it cannot be on your terms because you are prodigal, you are rebellious, you're independent. And I don't know when the grace of God dries up. People say, do you believe in hypergrace? I believe in hypergrace on steroids. But that's when I'm in relationship with my father. That's when I'm the prodigal return to the house, living according to his rules, his ways, his laws. But if I'm in the pigsty, with my heart being average, with sin in my life, with compromise, I don't know when one day you just don't wake up anymore. I don't know when God says, I'm giving you over to your own ways. I don't know what that looks like, and I don't know where that is, but I know it comes a moment. If he cuts off Israel, by God, please hear me. Oh, you're taking a risk. 
He cuts off his own people because of the rebellion in their heart, the sin in their heart, because they wanted the things of the world. I don't know when that ends for you and I, but I don't want to be there finding out. I don't want to be God of unforgiveness. I got this in my heart. Oh, I don't want to be there, guys. Because it might just come a day when, God, where are you? And he says, I stood at the door of your heart and I knocked and I knocked and I knocked. But you didn't let me in because you thought you knew better. You didn't let me in because you liked your sin. You didn't let me in because you were still processing. I don't know for you when he stops knocking. I see it right throughout the Bible. I see God pursuing and then eventually hardened hearts and rebellion. And he goes, I'm handing you over to your own ways and to yourself. That is a terrifying place to be. That is a journey I want none of us to go on. And even now, I can guarantee you I've offended some of you. And that is an indication that your hearts are far from God. Because it's not the Holy Spirit being offended. The Holy Spirit doesn't get, it's your flesh. It's because I'm touching a sore point and going, there's something here that's not of So we're standing before the God of all creation going, I like this boy. Even though he's unsaved, it'll be different this time. Are we standing before all of God creation going, oh, but I like these nice things and I want my kids and my family to have these nice things. And I'm not saying you can't, but I'm saying just watch your heart. Are we standing before God saying, God, you don't know what I've been through, so I'm just going to be who I want to be and see how that works out. You're taking the grace of God and living in hyper grace. Because you're taking the grace of God and using it as a dirty rug to wipe off your feet. I don't know. And the challenge is this most of us here this morning aren't fully prodigal. We love Jesus, are we here? But there are parts in your heart that are far from Him. And one of the words I think Anton came and said beforehand But God, I did this, I led worship. God, I was part of the band. God, I ran a phenomenal com. God, I was... And he's going to look at you in the eyes one day, my son, my daughter. Depart from me. I know you not. Because there are parts of your heart that are prodigal. Prodigal. And I do not know when the grace dries up. I do not know when God says, okay, I've tried. I've knocked. Follow your own desires and follow your own ways. All that I know is I don't want to be there. And I will do everything I can not to be there. Because that, I have seen, I mean, we all have. How many mighty men of God have we seen fall? How many mighty men of God have we seen die? Horrible deaths, cancers and diseases. Because there was compromise and sin. Men of God that are used far more mightily than all of us combined anointed, gifted men of God, working miracles and wonders all around the world. And because there was a part of their heart that was distant from God, a part of their heart that was prodigal, and God tried and tried and tried and... Fine. I can't force you to follow me. Rebellion, independence, unforgiveness. As I'm speaking, if your heart is getting a little bit offended and hurt, consider this for you. As I'm speaking, if you're feeling a bit disgruntled and proud, and con- who is he to judge me? I'm not judging you. I'm the same boat as you. I'm just rowing in a different direction. 
I'm just saying, come, let's go this way. I don't know how to get there, but I want to get back to him because I don't want to be in the pigsty. I do not know, you do not know, the angels in heaven do not know. And he'll look at you and he'll say, were you faithful? And for those that lived surrendered, yielded lives, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come home. Paul writes and says that your challenges here are nothing in comparison to the glory of eternity that awaits. And yet we cling to the things of this world and cling to the things in our hearts. And I said to Kate this morning, what you're sharing is, is your heart ready for his return? Yeah. Devon was sharing, is, are your hands ready for his, What are you valuing and holding on to? What treasures are your hands ready for the return of Jesus? And I want to ask you this morning, don't stand before the God of all creation and think that he's got a special relationship with you. Andrew himself said, if you'll cut off his son, Israel, his son, his firstborn, Israel, He'll cut anyone off. But he cut Israel off because of the rebellion and the independence and the hard-heartedness. He is not cruel or unkind. He'll give you every opportunity. He'll stand at the door and knock and knock. And he begged, even and pleaded with Israel, return, return, return. And Israel didn't. And I'm telling you this morning, return to God. Those little parts of you that are prodigal, that are hard, that are distant, return to God this morning because we don't know what tomorrow holds and we don't know when God says, I'm giving you over to your own desires and your own ways.